just two local guys with so much to say. So listen to the real estate brothers today. Regan's a local lender here in Hawaii, works with a lot of residential loans. A lot of the same questions happen again and again. And um, that we kind of roll through some of your top questions you're getting from a lot of your clients. All right, hey, simple passive cash flow listeners, and also our Aloha Club members. You guys can check out our local Hawaii website at aloha.com. But today I wanted to bring on a local lender. Uh, Regan Onikawa, who also went to Midpack, too. But, Thank you for uh, having me. So hopefully people can listen to this in the future and uh, at least not get blindsided by some of this stuff should it happen to them or be, be wary of it as they move through the closing process. First question here is, you know, mm-hmm. like, can all this stuff be done online? Kind of take us through your, the process. Uh, yeah, our company is very technology forward. So we have an app that borrowers can download. They can fill out the loan application right from there and they can upload their documents right from there as well. If they'd rather do it from a computer, we have an online link that it will link them to the loan application. And again, everything can be done by email. Uh, it'll go to a secure email. It'll go to a secure portal. Uh, and everything pretty much can be done online. Although I do like to make the first phone call just so I know what I'm dealing with and I know what I'm asking for from the uh, borrowers. Uh, it's also a way for, for us to kind of get to know each other a little bit better because the loan process is very, very invasive. I mean, we ask for everything short of a blood sample. Yeah, uh, DNA sample and all kinds of stuff. But yeah, Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's going to, I'll say it, like it's going to take, what about like three to six hours, depending how organized you are with all your financials and W-2s and bank account statements to fill out these forms and get it to your lender. And, you know, when you're borrowing $500,000 to a million dollars from a bank, yeah, you bet they're going to ask for this stuff, not just handing out free money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have so many guidelines that we got to adhere to ability to repay. We got to make sure the money is seasoned. Got to make sure the credit is, is credit worthy. And then on top of that, we have to make the pro- make sure the property, the collateral for the loan itself is acceptable as well. So it's, it's a daunting process. It shouldn't take three to six hours. Normally we can get away with, uh, you know, two pay stubs, two years W-2s, two months of bank statements, and in some cases, you know, two years of tax returns, depending on their employment situation. Um, but yeah, we do have to verify everything and cross our, our T's and dot our I's uh, very, very much so throughout the whole process. So um, a lot of these these loans that guys are going to get, um, mostly mm-hmm. Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, mm-hmm. not Regan making the rules here. No. But- <laughs> So let's start out first, um, just for people without any money and they can stop listing now. What is the minimum down payment that you need <laughs> to buy a home? Um, you know, there's there's programs, believe it or not, that allow for uh, no down payment. VA, uh, VA loans, for example, they are zero down programs, depending on how high of a house you're buying. And actually next year, it's January 1st, 2020, it's changing where you can... It's the first time you're using your VA eligibility. You can go 
zero down up to whatever purchase price you're doing, as long as you qualify for that amount. Uh, other other zero down programs are like the USDA program, but that, those are income restricted and it's also geographically restricted. So you have to be in an eligible USDA area. Um, but I would say, you know, average down payment, um, you know, could be as little as 3%, as much as 25%. If you're looking at investment properties, you're looking at probably 20%, 25% will get you the best rate in terms though. So there's, there's options out there for you and there's options for down payment assistance if it's available through state or other type of uh, uh, programs out there. Um, you know, we're in Hawaii. Uh, a popular down payment source is gift funds from family. Uh, aunties, uncles, mom, dad, grandma, grandpas, you know, you tell someone you're buying a house and all of a sudden you have help from people you never thought were going to help you. It's, it's, I always tell clients that it doesn't hurt to ask. The worst they can say is no. And you'd be surprised how many people were able to buy houses with help from family members uh, gifting down payment money. Yeah. So going back to the VA thing, you got to be yes. a veteran. Yeah. You got to <laughs> lay your life on the line. Correct. So haven't done that. You cannot qualify for that. You haven't married someone. Correct. That. Correct. Yeah. The VA, you have to be a VA eligible uh, borrower. And there's a online system that we can check to see if you are or you are not. Most, most uh, uh, people know if they are or they aren't. Yeah. A lot of nuances there. I would just contact Regan yeah. on the side for, if Correct. you qualify for that. But for most people, it's a FHA and your traditional Fannie Mae Freddie Mac. Um, Correct. What are the kind of the differences between the two? Uh, FHA is a is a government. Uh, well, they're all tech quote unquote government sponsored loan, but FHA is a government direct loan that um, allows for three and a half percent down payment. Now FHA has their own mortgage insurance premium that they charge, which is upfront and also a monthly amount that is charged as well. Um, FHA, the rates tend to be a little bit better sometimes, but the qualifying is also a little bit different. Um, FHA is good if you're buying a single family home that's not attached to anything else because their condo guidelines and their condo list of approved condos is very, 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 very small. And the condo guidelines to get it approved is very, 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 very stringent. <laughs> so. Um, it works for single family homes or even uh, homes that are not attached. Like, so you have some places that are single family homes that are under condominium regime. As long as you're not attached to any other homes, then you're fine uh, with FHA. And FHA traditionally, we see that for um, lower scored borrowers, credit scored borrowers. But, it, you know, I've used it for higher scored borrowers as well. It just depends on the situation. Now, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, they're government sponsored agencies. And uh, a majority of our loans are Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac loans. Those are your conventional type of loans. And the minimum down payment on those are 3% down. If you're a first-time home buyer, um, you can go at 3% down. If you're not, you still could go at 3% down, but it, it, it's going to be income restricted. And the income restricted uh, income restrictions change every year. So it's about $77,000 this year, um, no matter what your family size is. So... Um, you know, those are, those are your traditional conventional mortgages. Um, and then know, the PMI, the yeah. PMI, uh, maybe explain what that is for folks. Is so PM, PMI is private mortgage insurance. So anytime you put less than 20% down on a home purchase, 
uh, you're required to get PMI, which is the private mortgage insurance. Now, private mortgage insurance is an insurance that protects the lender against default. It's paid by the borrower, but it protects the lender against default. So, yeah, because when you're putting down 3%, it's kind of risky uh, for the lender. So they correct. want this insurance, which they're going to charge in turn charge you for that. Correct, correct. And there's different insurance companies out there. Um, and we, you know, our, our company, we are a national company, so we get a pretty good rate from these these companies as well. We we shop for the best rate uh, on, on on every transaction as well. So, um, you know, there's other ways to avoid the PMI. It's not tax deductible, as far as I know, um, but it's not a bad thing because it doesn't stay on forever. And there's different ways that we can work the the PMI to kind of minimize your cash flow. Uh, as well so it's and there's ways to avoid it if you're going to do a second mortgage but yeah it's a little bit uh detailed so so the pmi applies when you're going in with less than what, what percentage down payment 20 percent down okay and if you if you are putting down three percent um or 15 percent, is the pmi the same is it kinda, nope. it's a different percentage all um, or depending, nothing then, or? yeah no, it's not all. It's a different percentage. So if you're, okay. if you're putting down three percent down, your your PMI coverage is going to be higher than if you're putting down fifteen percent. So, and other factors are going to be your credit score. If there's more than one borrower on there as well, on on your transaction. So there's it's different factors that will go into what the PMI uh, coverage will be. Yeah, and we're talking a little bit um, different stuff normally from our normal channel of investment properties, which are no, non-owner occupied properties. Most times with that, um, in fact, they don't allow you to go any less than 20% uh, down payment. But you guys can find more information on that at um, arialoha.com or simplepassivecashflow.com slash turnkey if you're looking to buy out-of-state turnkey rentals there. Um, mm-hmm. But today we're kind of talking more about residential home loans. Mm-hmm. Um any other questions that you know people normally ask you or pitfalls you'll see before we go on to these top mistakes? Um, uh, questions that I get a lot is, you know, how long is my pre-approval good for? Um, your credit report is the main one. That's the one that expires in 120 days from the time that we pull it. Um, documents, we can always update that, but the, the, the shelf life is about 120 days. Now, if you're if I if we get a, a pre-approval and we we pre-approve you, you're you're good for 120 days. I'm not gonna update you. I'm not gonna have you uh, update your file every 120 days. It's, it's when you find something, then we'll update it. Because I'm, I'm gonna assume that everything is about the same uh, as when we last looked at everything. Because it just you know I understand it's very invasive and for have to have you update me every 30 days with pay stubs and bank statements it's uh, i understand it's, it's very invasive and that's uh another you know another question that i get is lots of why do you need all of my personal documentation <laughs> and i think we covered this earlier but yeah it's uh you know we're it's not a small amount of money that it's that's being lent out lent out so we got to make sure that it's going to be repaid and it's, it's not a trust issue either it's like I, it's not a handshake agreement uh, that we're doing yeah. Yeah, and just like so, people know going in, um, like what is like some of the qual- big qualification hurdles, like credit score mm-hmm. and uh, debt to income ratios that you're kind of looking for. So I like to look at a loan qualification uh, as having three pillars: your credit, your income, and your assets. Um, the credit score 
we can we can help with that. We have tools to help get your credit score up, fix your credit even if we need to. Your assets, you know, there's ways. What, what is the that. credit score there that you're looking for? What is like the primary? What's, what's the credit goal? score? You know, anything above seven forty or better is going to get you the best possible rate and terms. Um, seven hundred would be probably the minimum that you would need if you're going with a minimal down payment as far as conventional loans for. But uh, we can go probably as low as uh, six twenty would be the lowest uh, credit score that we're looking at. And we look at just besides the score, you need to have established credit as well. So, you know, we've had situations where uh, a, a younger borrower had maybe uh, two, one credit line on his own, but was an authorized user on other parents' accounts. But scores were, you know, 750, 760, 770 kind of range. But because there's no representative score of the borrower themselves because it's all authorized users, meaning that he's not really responsible for that, the credit score is kind of meaningless. So we look at the overall general picture of the credit as well. Yeah, and um, then some, sometimes like people will go co-sign, like right, parent, you need a parent sign. Yep, yep, co-signing is also an option. Uh, but in the credit, you know, I, I, Sometimes people think that there's nothing they can do about their credit, but there definitely is. I mean, we have credit tools that will help them get their score up if we need to. We, we can uh, send them to companies that will advise them how to fix their credit if it needs to be fixed. Yeah, I mean, actually, I've been playing around with trade lines where I actually rent my credit card, authorized user slots out to people, and then this company pays me. But you can be the person who goes, jumps on as authorized user on account mm-hmm. and you know, I'm not claiming that this works. I just get paid for other people doing it. So I don't really care, but mm-hmm. people will pay like, you know, a thousand bucks to get on like a 10 year old card with 20, 20 grand of credit. And that supposedly jumps their credit score 50 to a hundred points. That, that might be just what you need to get you mm-hmm. up to the prime rate. Um, I know that's what a lot of sophisticated business owners do. They, they, they pump their score 50, hundred points and they go, apply for business loans so mm-hmm. a lot of ideas there um, but so what about debt to income and then mm-hmm. you know how much your w-2 stubs need to be showing so debt to income if you look at the written guidelines it says that uh, there's a, a <coughs> excuse me a general rule of ability to repay the written guideline says it shouldn't be more than 43 percent debt to income ratio now what that means is that you're Calculate all your your monthly obligations. Uh, we use minimal payments on that, so that includes whatever you have as far as car loans, student loans, credit card minimum payments, uh, child support, alimony, any kind of consumer debt that you have or obligations, uh, as well as the new payment for your new home. Divide that by your gross income, average income. And that's your debt to income ratio. They, uh, written guidelines said it should, shouldn't be more than 43%. However, programs will allow you to go up to 70% in some cases for VA. I've seen it take as high as that as long as your residual income, meaning your residual income after taxes uh, and your expenses meets a certain level for your family size. So written is 43. I've seen it take as high as 70 in some cases. Can you walk us through like a quick calculation just so people can roughly calculate their own DTI? Sure, sure. Let's say you have, a, a, just for ease of numbers, let's say your income is $5,000 a month and you have maybe $100 in consumer debt per month. Maybe, maybe it's a couple of credit cards. 
um, and your new payment on your new home is going to be about twenty four hundred a month, including maintenance fee and everything in there. So you have a total monthly obligation of new obligation of twenty five hundred a month. We take that divided by five thousand. That's fifty percent. That would be your debt to income ratio. So they're looking at what what will be after this purchase. Correct. It's going to be inclusive of all your debts that you're still going to have to pay, as well as your new mortgage payment, your new yeah. housing payment. So if you got a Nissan truck that is a mm-hmm. $600 car payment that puts you in the red, right? That you probably won't qualify in that. C- correct. You'd have to bring in a co-signer or, or uh, find a way to pay that truck off or, or slide that, that obligation over to somebody else. I've seen that happen before as well. <laughs> All right. So let's dig into some of these top mistakes because sometimes, you know, you talk to your agent on the phone and it's like, it's all good, but then you might say something or do something silly. So let's go through some of these. Don't make the same mistakes. So you don't get that. Sorry. Cannot do anything. Um, so first one here, borrower quitting job after starting the loan process. Uh-oh. Oh, man. Yeah, that's that's tough because we need to make sure that you're still employed. And we do checks all the way up until 10 days before we close. So that means we call the employer verbally say, hey, so-and-so still employed. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So wait till you put your job to, to or wait till the deal closes till you fire your boss. <laughs> yeah. And I, I've had I've had an unusual situation one time where the company that the the person that's working for had closed down, but they didn't let the employees know yet. Yeah. So. I have a lot of um, clients who like, they're trying to, they're quitting their day jobs because they mm-hmm. invest in all this real estate and investment properties, but they're always mindful of this and they buy their $2 million house before they, they fire the boss. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so bar opening up new debt after starting the loan process. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, you know, it's common sense to us in the industry, but yeah, don't go opening up uh, uh, a car, take out a car loan or co-signing for somebody's car loan or even opening up a, a credit card or maxing out your credit card while you're in the process of doing a loan because that's all going to be found out uh, as well. So just we want to try and maintain the status quo. You still got to use credit cards to leave your daily life. That's fine. I understand that. But wait on buying that new car wait on co-signing for someone that needs that new car um you know wait on that big expenses as well don't buy furniture until you close i mean that's a big one that i see a lot where people will oh you know this big sale i want to get the furniture i said don't put it on any credit right now just have someone else hold it for you or something <laughs> yeah and and you know i'll say it because i'm not a lending broker <laughs> and i'm just an investor myself but you know have these conversations on the phone with your lending broker, mm-hmm. I wouldn't put it in an email because once you do that, your hands are tied. Um, mm-hmm. When I was buying a bunch of property, I did that and my lender was like, oh, crap, you're screwed. <laughs> like, I, I got this paper trail now. I mean, my hands are tied. You know, so if, if you're doing something along these lines, you know, talk about it. You know, Before you do it, it would be better. Like, <laughs> like, lending broker is your friend it's the underwriters in the other room are not your friends. And sometimes yeah. they're not aligned with your lending broker who, you know, wants you to see to close the deal and that's how they ultimately get paid too. But you know, you got to kind of work with your friends. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's always best to, I mean, I look at as loan officers as, as consultants, um, 
and you want to run by if you're in process to buy a property, you want to run everything kind of by them, like major kind of expenses that you're going to be incurring or want to incur. Um, that definitely is something you want to run by your mortgage uh, loan officer. Yeah. This next one is kind of self-explanatory, but you know, the borrower signing multiple contracts without consulting the loan officer. Oh man. That's yeah. <laughs> that's when we see not too often, but I, I, I do see that. And it's like, you know, anytime you're in contract to buy a property and then you go out and you're going to buy another property, um, it, all of that's going to count towards your qualifying. So we have to be able to qualify you carrying both properties, even though it, one is going to close after the other. It's known. So we're going to have to, you know, use it to qualify. Uh, this next one is borrower plans to leave the country on vacation during the closing. Um, any workarounds around that or like, of attorney or yeah there are as long as we know up front so if you know that you're going to be out of the country or going on vacation and you're in the middle of a loan process let, let, let the loan officer know up front so we can prepare for it power of attorney is an option um, we have uh, uh, mobile notaries available some places as well now if it's a foreign country you're gonna have to go to the consulate to get an appointment for a notary and that could take up to about a couple of months to get something scheduled uh, but power of attorney is definitely the easiest option as long as you know about it up front. We don't want to be scrambling on the day that you're leaving to get this power of attorney signed and notarized because we still have to get it approved by everyone as well. Uh, yeah. But th there are workarounds for that. And uh, if, even if it's out of state, we do have uh, um, e-closings now. Now, there's still documents you've got to sign by hand because the good old state of Hawaii doesn't allow full e-signings. But we do have... Uh, situations where we can do e-signings where they just sign as a docu-sign and sign like a few documents that need to be recorded at the Bureau of Conveyance by hand. So it's, it, there's workarounds for it. Yeah. Communicate. Simple. Correct. Yes. Next one, bar does not get pre-approved prior to putting in an offer or signing a contract. <laughs> <laughs> you know, those are always fun um, because no matter how well you think you are qualified, we we look at things as a as a mortgage company a little differently than um, how you look at things as as a buyer. Uh, we only can go off what we see on paper, uh, meaning what's claimed on taxes and and everything. Like, I'm not saying that these people aren't making money. I'm just saying that I gotta see what's on paper. But yeah, that's uh those are the fun ones because then you get stuck trying to figure out how to qualify somebody for something that they should have been doing ahead of time. So again, you know, preparation is the key. Like if you know, you're going to be looking for something, get qualified. So you know exactly what to look for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the, the process here is talk to your lending um, officer first, get that pre-approval letter. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you send it out to your guys, but PDF or word document. PDF. Uh, yeah. As soon as you qualify, I, you let me know what you want to make an offer on and what price so that I put that exact amount in there. I don't want to give you, like if you're qualified for a 900,000, but you're only going to put in an offer for 850. I don't want to put on the letter that you're qualified for 900,000. I want you to have some kind of leverage with the seller in case they come back and say, Oh, you know, you gave me this letter for 900. Why can't you go up to 900? Yeah. Something I would do in the past um, because I probably, because I bought so many properties from my lending broker, but I would get it in Word document and mm -hmm. I would just get a verbal like, Hey man, don't go above this month amount. Um, mm -hmm. And then I would 
I would doctor up the document to show exactly what my offer was. So it looked mm -hmm. like that was the highest. I don't know if that matters. It's a little gamesmanship, but you know, I mean, just don't put a higher amount than what your lending broker says. Correct. Like it. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody's yeah. happy with you. Yeah, yeah, and and we get we get blamed. Uh, even if you know, like in that last situation, if someone comes to us after a contract without getting pre-approved first, we get blamed for the loan part of it falling through. Like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> yeah, and, and this is the time where I'm saying, consult your professionals. I'm just give, telling you what I did, I'm not saying it's the right thing to do. Right. Um, next one here: borrower buying multiple properties at once with different lenders and does not <laughs> disclose. Well, can they buy multiple properties? Let's ask that question first. Yeah, yeah, it, it's possible to buy multiple properties at once. Uh, again, we just got to take into consideration all the pieces of it qualifying for qualifying. If you're going through different lenders, it makes it a little bit more difficult because now we've got to coordinate with two different lenders and we've got to see what the payments are going to be and what, what the drain on the assets is going to be and all of that good stuff as well. So it is possible to do it uh, with the same lender and across different lenders as well, but you got to disclose it because if not, eventually we're going to find out. <laughs> I bought nine properties in like a six month period and it was nice because I only had to do the DNA samples. And yes. Once. <laughs> yes. Um, but I was only, you know, I was using only using one lender to do all that. Granted, it's only a hundred thousand dollar rental properties. It wasn't like mm -hmm. a million dollar Hawaii house, but um, yeah, multiple properties, you can do that. Just yeah, don't, they, just don't do this like rate shopping thing where you're like getting three with this guy and two. That's when you're gonna run into the problem. Oh yeah, I mean, do your rate shopping ahead of time, and you know, truth be told, rate is, you know, not the most important thing in a mortgage loan is getting it closed and getting it closed according to the contract terms is the important thing. Because people don't understand that the contract to buy a property is an actual contract. If you don't perform on that contract, meaning everybody doesn't perform on that contract, the seller can keep your deposits. Right. And, and that's, I'll say it like, I mean, if you're going to like a big bank, they just have like the 20 year old kid working these loans and who knows what they're telling the, the bad guys in the back curtain, the underwriters, right? <laughs> that's what we're talking about. Your, your deal, not funding. Yeah, as you're working with a newbie who's never done this stuff and just saying yes, 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 yes until mm -hmm. the final stages, and then now you get screwed. You earn us money too. Exactly, and and I it's 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 not just the big banks as well. I've seen it with other mortgage lenders uh, too. So you just want to make sure that you're working with somebody reputable um, and that knows what they're doing because. You know, sometimes I hate to say it, but you get what you pay for. If you get the cheapest rate out there, you're gonna probably get the cheapest service out there as well, yeah. kind of situation. But uh, yeah, I would just you know just whoever you I don't trust. Know, man. To Some work people with. like to do that whole like with a hundred fifty dollar listing fee out here in Hawaii. I don't know what that's all about. Oh, the flat fee guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, like I said, you, you, you get, get you get what you pay for. <laughs> you guys exactly. go hang out by yourselves. But, exactly. Uh, another one here: borrow does not disclose free and clear properties. That uh, becomes a problem because even though it's free and clear, there's still expenses on the property: uh, property taxes, possibly home and insurance, probably HOA dues. Um, so again, that all factors into to qualifying 
even though you know you may say oh no i don't i don't pay any of that my parents live there or you know i have relatives living there they pay for all of that but it's if it's not on paper i still have to hit you for whatever the expenses is for that property right that's better be making income right if it gets a rental pro a legit uh, not under the table rental property, you, you can show the income for that. Correct. Offset yeah. your debt to income ratio. Yes. Um, and then, then just general borrow, not being upfront about anything that relates to the loan. You got oh. anything in, that comes to mind with that? that someone didn't disclose. Uh, yeah, actually um, I had someone when I first started, uh, you know, we ask on the loan application, um, are you obligated to pay child support? And this person put no. Uh, turns Not out. what they think. What the government think. Right, right. So it's, it's, it turns out that through the loan process, we found out, hey, he has to pay child support. So I asked him about it and he said, he said, oh, yeah, I have to pay it, but I don't pay it. I said, well, there's a, that's a big difference because being <laughs> obligated, but um, not being upfront about everything. Like I said, because this loan process is so uh, detailed and intrusive, we will find out about it. Uh, unfortunately, um, there's not much that you can hide in this day and age either. So the, the more upfront we know about it, the more we know how to address it and maybe work our way around it. Yeah. And this last one, um, not seasoning funds is a little tricky. Yes. Uh, maybe we can talk about this, this yeah. a little bit. Yeah. So season funds, uh, when we talk about season funds, it means that's money in the bank. So normally you want to have the money in there for at least two months. So we have two months of statements that don't show the money going in there. Um, you know, with, and if we have, we look at like the average balance. So if we see in November statement, oh, 100 grand went in there and we don't know where that's from and you can't source it or you know it's from, but we just can't source it or paper trail it, then we'd have to wait until we get January statement and hopefully nothing went in there in December and January to throw us off again um, because the January and the December statement aren't going to show a large deposit. Yeah, so for, for rental properties, they're usually going to want to see you have like three to six months of cash reserves to pay the debt service on it. Um, that always changes. But what is it for owner-occupied residential? Those, the cash reserves needed. Do you even need any? Or? Um, sometimes, no, we, we don't. And we run it through an automated underwriting system that will tell us what we need, how much yeah. we need, so, uh, et cetera. So I'm just thinking from the eyes of the lender or the, the person lending the money, as long as your debt to income, as long as your future earnings on a month to month basis cover you, they're mm -hmm. cool, I think. So Correct. Yeah, as long as you have that. I mean, investment properties, yes, you do. Not own occupied properties, you do need reserves anywhere from two to six months uh, on the subject property that you're buying okay. and maybe six months on the other properties that you own a as well. Um, and the reserves covers whatever the monthly expenses are. So if there's mortgages, payments, HOA dues, et cetera. So, uh, but owner-occupied, you could probably get away with maybe two months, I would say, uh, for a conventional type of loan. Or sometimes not, you might not even need any reserves. Yeah. But the big thing is, like, where is this down payment coming from? And it yes. Gifted. Yes. But the I, money needs to be in your bank account, what, two no. months or no? The, the gift for the gift part of it, 
the easiest way to handle the gift is have the gifter, the donor, write a cashier's check directly to escrow when we're ready to close. So that way it's simple. We just have to get the gift letter signed and then evidence the transfer, which is the money, copy of the cashier's check going to escrow. Okay. So if, but if, do they need to disclose if it's a gift prior yes. to closing? Yes. Okay. And it's, it's a gift for the loan purpose. Okay. Um, we don't report that to the IRS or anything like that. It's a gift for the loan purpose. Yeah. So if, if it's not a gift and this person is going to come up with their down payment on their own, mm -hmm. you're going to kind of monitor their bank statements for large infusions or large withdrawals. Um, not necessarily withdrawals, but the withdrawals do affect the qualifying because if you need 30000 to close and you only have 40000 in your bank account, but you take out 20000 then we're short cash to close. But for the most part, we're just making sure that we have enough in there to close and that we, we paper trail or source any large deposits over 50% of the qualifying income we're using. Yeah, so if you're making $5,000 a month, and mm -hmm. a check comes in for three thousand. Mm -hmm. You're gonna, gonna ask. It. You're gonna ask for an explanation. It could be as easy as a simple email. Thinking. Yeah, yeah. We have, we it, we just have to say, okay, where did this check come from? Oh, it, it was a refund from such and such um, yeah. company. So, or it could be, you know, I got into a car accident. This is the insurance uh, yeah. paying me back. So, what I, would be some? People do all kinds of random stuff, right? What would be some like? things you'd be like oh, oh no that doesn't count man like other than illegal sales of drugs or <laughs> that type of paraphernalia what what would be a non-qualifying infusion into the bank account that you guys would say no that's we can't count that well being in hawaii um you know a lot of people have mattress money so it's it's cash that they have and i know it's theirs but i can't prove cash is there <laughs> so um you know if and people do that too i mean I, I did that for a while i just had all my you know when i was working as a as a bartender i'd have all my cash tips in my house and i wouldn't uh i wouldn't deposit them but you know i, I see a lot of cash going in it's it's mattress money kind of thing and then there's some old school people that don't trust banks <laughs> so their money is held as cash so <laughs> Yeah, I mean, most of my Alabama rentals, they would go to Walmart and do like, cashiers, right? I get it. Yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. So I, I, I've seen, you know, the cash infusions go in. I've seen where um, people will tell me, like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, so and so is paying me back for something. I said, oh, I can't use that. I need to show that you gave them the money first and then the money's coming back to you. Um, if you're selling something, selling uh, an asset, I got to prove that you own the asset first. And then I got a receipt that you, somebody bought it from you. <laughs> yeah. I sold my CrossFit gym equipment so I could buy this house. They pay me $4,000. It doesn't, they're going to have to show a paper trail for that. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. So we went, we covered a lot of stuff today. Um, if you guys are interested in investment property stuff, go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash turnkey. But um, if not, check out our, uh, our buddy Dean and I do uh, the Real Estate Brothers every month. Um, we broadcast that live. But anything else, Regan, you want to get your contact information out there? Anything else you think the folks need to know this process? Um, 
No, like I said, the, the easiest thing is contact uh, whoever your loan officer is, your lender is, and get uh, get everything done up front. You know, get the pre-approval done up front before you start looking. I mean, you need to, you know, buying a house, it, it shouldn't be as stressful as some people make it out to be. Um, if you're prepared, get pre-approved, then you know what to look for. Uh, my, my contact information, my cell phone is uh, 808-780-3136. Uh, email, probably the easiest way to reach me is Regan, R-E-G-A-N dot O-N-I-K-A-M as in Mary A at Fairway, F-A-R-F-A-I-R-W-A-Y-M as in Mary C dot com. So I work for Fairway Mortgage. Um, that's fairwaymc.com. Holy jeez, that's a mouthful. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and we'll put it up on rloha.com um, in the video section so you guys can check this out later. Um, but thanks, Regan, for coming on. Appreciate it. Thanks, Lee. Right. Take it easy, everybody. Bye. Free Real Estate Investing Group. Check out reialoha.com. Hey, just some legal stuff here. Although these two brothers are pretty knowledgeable and have over 2,100 rental units and own over $160 million worth of real estate, the preceding are only ideas and not to be taken as legal, tax, or financial advice, okay? You should always seek the professional advice of other professionals on your team and think for yourself and do your own due diligence, okay? Aloha.